Kristen, wilt thou have this man to be thy husband? I will. Wilt thou, Jefferson, have this woman to be thy wedded wife? Wilt thou provide her with credit cards and a four-bedroom, two-and-one-half bath home? Wilt thou listen patiently to long stories about kids' colds, kitchen tile, clothes, shoes, make a pair of sore feet, and decorate her six-foot covers? I will. I pronounce that Kristen and Jefferson are husband and wife. In every married life, there are certain key phrases that ignite the imagination. What's for dinner tonight, sweetheart? You don't like fish? I love fish. It's just a little overwhelming to have uh, a grouper. We... It's grouper. What are you going to do with your life? The question is, what can I do? You have a BA in mass languages. What was your minor? Elizabethan poetry. Let's not fight. You're not sleeping in this bed. Oh, really? Anywhere but in this room or in this bed. So what do you want me to do, huh? Tell me, tell me, tell me. My parents are coming over this evening. This is good, Jake. You're quite a barbecue chef. What is this? What, is this dirt on here? If I tell you something, will you promise not to get mad? Okay, I promise I won't be mad. I stopped taking the pill. Kevin Bacon, Elizabeth McGovern, in a new film by John Hughes. It's been 48 hours since our last coalition. My temperature's optimum. I'm ovulating. I have the pillow set up in the position. You can watch TV if you get bored. Here's to successful fertilization. She's having a baby. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Dan Aykroyd Podcast. I'm your host, Scott White, and I am joined once again by my good friend, Steph DeWagoner. Hi, everybody. And this is what we call stretching <laughs> the Dan Aykroyd Podcast. We are doing She's Having a Baby. And I know what you're thinking. Dan Aykroyd was in She's Having a Baby? Technically, he was. The end credits of She's Having a Baby was a bunch of John Hughes friends and actors that were just naming baby names. Hmm, names for a boy. Well, my wife's always been partial to Borbor, Cryobor, Gagdur, Klaus, Baldur, Slagathor, uh, Slaggy for short. And I've liked uh, for years uh, Queek, Bly, Nargalsius, Rollo, and Vortigern. And a lot of famous people in those credits. And John Candy's in there? John Candy and Dan Aykroyd. This is the thing. John Candy and Dan Aykroyd are credited as Roman and Chet. They're characters from the great outdoors. So technically, this movie exists in the same universe as the great outdoors. And Dan Aykroyd in the credits, being a science fiction geek and all that, all of his names are alien names that he goes through. But you see Bill Murray, uh, a lot of the cast from Cheers, Woody Harrelson, Ted Danson, John Ratzenberger, Kirstie Alley, uh, Ferris Bueller. Yeah, Uh, it looks like they were when they were on set for other movies. Because, yes, exactly. You are 100% right. Because this came out in 1988. The Great Outdoors came out in 1988. And Bill Murray is dressed as he was in Scrooge, which came out in 1988. So that's what happened. These people were all working on movies 
And John Hughes said, can you just say a couple of names in the camera? That's right. But so that is how we uh, it is connected to the Dan Aykroyd podcast. But I guess by talking about baby names, we've jumped way ahead on the plot. We've jumped we? way ahead on the plot, so we have to jump way back. This movie stars Kevin Bacon, Elizabeth McGovern, McGovern a very young Alec Baldwin. I'll say very young, handsome. It was kind of the heyday of Alec Baldwin's pretty, beautiful boy. Pretty boy look, yes. yes. Kevin Bacon looks pretty much as he does now in this movie. Made a little more wrinkles, <laughs> but Alec Baldwin looks totally different in this movie. Right. Kevin Bacon and Elizabeth McGovern, they're getting married. I would say that this is sort of a lot of what a lot of people will say is John Hughes's foray out of the teen genre, out of the Brat Pack genre, and taking these maybe some of these characters that could have easily been in one of his Brat Pack movies five, six years earlier and putting them into sort of the next stage of their life. That's actually a very good way of putting it. Yeah, this is this is the stage after high school. And college. And college. He also, John Cuse, there's also the famous John Cuse uh, trope of there is just a ton of excellent character actors and actresses in this movie. And that's where the comedy, like in most of his movies, the main couple... They're usually not the ones providing comedy. It's all the older, the mothers and the fathers and the aunts, neighbors. That's where you get all the comedy in this movie. It, well, first of all, it starts off with a narration. Where Did you like the narration, Kevin Bacon narrating himself? Yeah, I did. I have a lot of problems with this movie. I'll just say that right off the yeah. bat. I had forgotten. I hadn't seen this movie for a while. I, I haven't seen this movie since I saw it in the theaters. Wow. Yes. Wow. I always lump it in with He Said, She Said. Me and with, too. And with For Keeps with Molly Ringwald. I kind of, But there's years <laughs> separating all those movies. But I, I do always kind of lump it in mm-hmm. there together. So there were things in my mind that had kind of crossed. But I have a lot of problems with this movie because I find that it struggles to figure out its tone like it um it's very uneven in its tone but the narration was actually one of the things i i thought worked it is all over the place because when we first start off and like i said i hadn't seen this since the uh movie theaters and since 88 and i vaguely remembered parts of it we start off we see all the parents are against this marriage on both sides right we're at the wedding we get right to it. we're right to it yeah there is a 30-second flashback of where they met in high school, and that's it. And we're at the wedding. Kevin Bacon and Alec Baldwin are in the car. Alec Baldwin is Kevin Bacon's best friend. Just by looking at him, you can tell he's Alec Baldwin is sort of a sleazeball. Yeah, these are these... I lived in Chicago for 10 years, so there's... I do love a good John Hughes movie because he really... the I hate to use that sort of a trite statement of um, the city becomes a character, but John Hughes is always very much... Uh, utilizing kind of Chicago's North Shore as a very important part and element in the movies. And yeah, Alec Baldwin is your typical sort of well-off, North Shore, snobby, you know, kid that got the sports car when he was 16 years old. That that kind of a guy. You, you feel that. Well, you get his complete character. He gives a speech to Kevin Bacon right before... Because I guess it's made out that Kevin Bacon has cold feet and Alec Baldwin gives him a speech. However, Alec Baldwin basically says, you're going to marry her. It, it, it wasn't, I mean, he said we could leave if you want to, but you know you don't want that. This is your destiny. 
be forever caught in the crossfire between your head and your heart. Do you... Do you think I'm going to be happy? I mean, honestly. You want to be a writer? You want to be a husband? Maybe it'll work out, who knows? <laughs> yeah, you'll be happy. <laughs> you just won't know it, that's all. Never before and never again did he nail a moment more firmly than that afternoon. He's not all that wise. He just knew his subject matter very, very well. Look, I'm not going to say this again. You don't have to go through with this. You can walk. You say the word and we are out of here. Marriage will wait. Time won't. Alec Baldwin actually, to me, is the standout in this movie. I, I actually... I actually preferred his performance in this movie over Kevin Bacon and Elizabeth McGovern, even though you only see him for kind of th three or three four pivotal scenes. moments. Three pivotal scenes. Yeah. He, he actually ties a lot of this movie together, and his scenes, when he's there, are short but very impactful to the plot. This is a very depressing movie. Yeah, it's a weird movie because you think going into it, John Hughes, there's going to, of course, be those... Serious. There's going to be mellow. There's going to be a couple of mellow moments. dramatic. Yes, exactly. But but yeah, this movie it it doesn't make you feel good about marriage, honestly. And it just there are some some fun moments in it. There's some fantasy scenes which I'm sure we'll talk about. Right. Um. I don't. I I didn't find Elizabeth McGovern's character particularly likable. She doesn't smile through the whole film, and that was sort of her. Thing. I guess so, but no, not likable at all. She's right. not playing a bitch. Right. But even during the good times, she's not smiling. I mean, there's a couple of times, but for the most part, she never smiles during this movie. Right. And it, it just, she looks miserable. <laughs> I was thinking she was more chipper in Ordinary People, which was a way more dramatic movie. Right. Uh, but yeah, I don't find her likable in this, this character likable in this movie at all. I, I, Kevin Bacon's character is likable. He's supposed to be sort of your everyman, young, mid-twenties, mid to late-twenties, college guy, what do I do now sort of guy, but... And I don't know how much of this is drawing on any of John Hughes's experiences or anything like that, but um, yeah, the the it is good in the beginning of this movie that we get right to the wedding, we get right to the marriage, right. But but despite the title, it takes forever to get to the baby, right. <laughs> we got a lot of movie to get to before we right. even get to anything about a baby. Yes, the the baby part is the last. I don't know. Thirty minutes. Thirty minutes of the movie. Watching it now, we're both in our fifties. It's even equally depress depressing. Where uh, Kevin Bacon's boss is just like, "You're gonna have this shitty job for the rest of your life." And I do ultimately think that that's kind of the message of this because throughout the whole movie, Kevin Bacon is searching for something better. He feels like he's missing out. You know, he wanted this creative. Uh, job as a writer who's going to be a writer but you know he and his young newlywed you know how are they supposed to make a living with him wanting to be a writer so he takes a job writing copy 
and uh, you know, very very sort of typical late '80s goes to work for a ad agency. I mean, to me, it's like seems like a very working girl sort of. You know, it's, yeah. it's that very kind of typical. The two guys, I'm trying to remember the, the Paul Gleason, yes. and Dennis Dugan. That's it. Yes, yes, yes. Paul Gleason is the known for the principal in well, yeah, a John Hughes guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, the principal in Breakfast Club and the detective in Die Hard. Yes. And Dennis Dugan is a guy that directs all the Adam Sandler movies. Yes, yes. So, but you see all these, uh, like I said, uh, John Aston from Beverly Hills Cops in there, uh, Edie McClure, yep. Ferris Bueller. So it's a lot of you know character actors and actresses that you've seen in his other movies. So, yeah, he takes... he takes this job which he thinks is just a means to the end you know eventually he'll get to get go back to working on his novel which i guess you could kind of say the narration of this movie is the novel which they bring because he he does work on the novel i did i yeah i was gonna say that but at the beginning of the movie he's like that's me he's commenting on the scene I guess the narration through the movie is supposed to be him reading his novel to his wife and his newborn child. But, you know, ultimately at the end of the movie, I guess the message is that he learns to accept that maybe this is as good as it gets and that's pretty awesome because now you're a dad or it's, you know, the, the big the big aha moment for him is when he realizes he's a father and uh, so I, you know, I, I don't know the, uh, like I say, I had a, the tone of this movie is all over the place. So, well, there's a musical number in the middle of it. The, well, and that's actually one of the high points. <laughs> I think I had read a, I had read a, a review or a critique on Rotten Tomatoes. I kind of glanced at all the different. This movie reviews. is basically all the reviews. It, it's, it's down the middle. It's, it's, yeah. it's right around 50%. It's got like 6.1%. On IMDb, I think it's got like 46 on Rotten Tomatoes. So basically, it's your typical right-down-the-middle movie. Yeah, and somebody said they didn't think that the fantasy sequence added anything. I thought it actually added some much-needed levity at times in this movie. And, mm. and the, the Long War sequence I actually thought was really charming and fun, and, and I actually liked it. Mm-hmm. Yes, I liked it. And when he was talking about lawnmowers with the you know with his two older neighbors, and, it, this dra- and then... We have to throw in the fidelity. He's tempted by this woman. They go out to a club for some reason. It's because Alec Baldwin's visiting. And they yes. Go out to, he's with his New York girlfriend or whatever. They're kind of these coke, smoke, coke snorting uh, uh, big city now. You know, Alec Baldwin's right. all big city now. He's moved to New York. He's got this girl that Elizabeth McGovern, you could just see she's gritting her teeth. She can't stand this girl. <laughs> and Kevin Bacon is just fawning all over her there's a fidelity yeah so he sees this girl at a club and and this is the most unrealistic thing at all is he's in this nightclub he goes into the bathroom to take a leak and she comes in after him so she's like oh the ladies room is crowded there's not a single other dude in the male bathroom, and it's pristine. It's like <laughs> I was going to say, what part are you going to get to that you say is unbelievable? Well, yeah, there's no, part. there's only one. There's it's pristine, and there's only one dude. Now I know it doesn't get as crowded as the ladies' room, but there's what? But there wasn't a single other person in that bathroom, but him and her. I also uh, I, I don't know about the casting of this part. Like I guess she's somewhat supposed to be. Like in Vacation, it's the fantasy blonde, right? Right. But she's no Christy Brinkley. She's not, and she wears, she had 
She's wearing these frumpy clothes all the time. She's supposed to be a model. Because oh, that, yeah, we'll we'll get into that and later. she's at best sort of a cute, like, she's definitely, uh, well, I found, I looked and read up on the actress. She's Spanish, I believe. But uh, European, but she's not like this striking, uh, complete difference from his wife, you know. And, no, no, yeah, it's not... I mean, she's a blonde, uh, and his wife... And, and, and I feel like they drop this whole thing, right? They build up this... He sees her in a club. He has a fantasy about her. I think he has a second fantasy, and then we never, ever... No, know. he meets her again at the at the modeling agency. Right. And, and then that's it. It's gone. Right, right. There's, like, no... Like, I feel like in Vacation... He at least has the pool scene with Christy Brinkley, right? Where he right. jumps in the pool and and uh, he kind of gets to see her. And, and it, I feel like that the, the, this just sort of fizzles out in this movie, you know? And she's not enticing enough. I know that sounds terrible to say. It's it's not. She's not somebody... Yeah, like you she's said. She's no Kelly LeBrock, you She's know? not somebody you're going to leave... I mean, you know, <laughs> the cliche men are pigs, but... This isn't somebody you're going to be uh, you know, sneaking around on your what? Yeah, she's not, she doesn't, it, it just, it's not as compelling. She doesn't present a compelling character that he would leave his wife for. I just watched the Goldbergs last night and they did a, a weird science themed episode. Mm-hmm. Barry has this list, the older brother has this list of like 20 things he wants for, he wants his brother to, to <laughs> weird science and the perfect girl. Uh. And this, and this girl, she just doesn't hit any of those marks, this character in this movie. No. And the movie is, it's kind of boring. It's always repeat. Uh, we're getting, you know, Kevin Bacon is immature. And and all the scenes with the, with the parents are just rehashing and rehashing that they don't like him. There's no, there's no growth to the, to the parents' arcs. I think a man can judge his success or failure... By the amount of overtime his wife works. Don't you agree, Jake? That's part of the job, Dad. I don't work late because we need the money. We don't, we're fine. That's true, Russ. Oh, what do you know but what they tell you? Did we really raise her to answer telephones and live in some shoebox? We didn't come here to get insulted, Dad. Oh, is he above criticism? Jake, Christy tells me that you're uncomfortable calling Russell and I mom and dad. I think that's foolish. Why don't you just call us by our first... Gail, will you please? Names. If you're gonna piss your life away writing some goddamn book that nobody is ever going to give a crap about, why did you have to involve my daughter? Let's say she gets pregnant. What are you gonna do? Three can't live on what you make. Two can't live on what you make the yeah the idea of him being immature is definitely one of the one of the themes in there and then um she seems very mature elizabeth mcgarrett so it's not like like in for keeps they're two young kids they're both trying to kind of figure this out that molly ringwald's mm-hmm. pregnant and what are we going to do and but in this movie, it seems like Elizabeth McGovern has a much more level head on her shoulders about, you know, wanting to buy a house and decorate a house and, you know, sort of nest and, and figure it out. Her big moment of sort of, what do I do, what do I not do, is when she's deciding whether or not to take her birth control. Right, and that, that I want to talk about that in a second. Yeah. But we, 
it's like we never see any happy scene. They're always arguing. And basically, if they're not arguing, their parents are arguing. Uh, if, they're, if their parents aren't arguing, Alec Baldwin is there. And there there's always seems to be tension in all the scenes. They're, the only time I felt there wasn't tension, spoiler alert, Elizabeth McGovern, McGovern? Has, diff- has complications during her pregnancy. And Kevin Bacon is crying, contemplating, and we see this montage. I was just going to say, where were all those scenes? Exactly, (laughs) where were all those scenes during the movie? It actually looks like they love each other because several, there's... Maybe that's the point. Maybe that's the thing. Maybe it's like when you have a friend who's having a... Let's let's give you a hypothetical situation. Okay. Maybe a friend who possibly got divorced uh, recently. Yeah, let's get that. Making air quotes. Uh, (laughs) But, you know, you only, you know, when you and your friend talk about the marriage, you only ever hear the friend side, right? You only hear one side of it. You only hear the negative stuff. Right. Maybe that, maybe that was kind of the point. And then all of a sudden when he looks back on it, he realizes there were all these happy moments. And so now we get to see those too. I, I just thought about that as you were saying it. Maybe that is it. Maybe he finally has the realization, but they've been together. Well, there's a lot of time jumps. The time jumps are signified by the parents saying, well, you've been married for two years. Yeah, I mean... Well, you've been married for four years. And the whole idea is that they've been together since they're like 16 or 17 right. at a high school party. So they're, it's, they've been together for like 10 or 12 years now. I think I tried to calculate like them graduating from college and this is how old they'd be. I guess it'd be about 10 years because they're supposed to be about 26, I would say that, 26, 27. Because he's done with college. He's so. done with college and she's done with college. Yeah, and she's got some great degree that she's not using, I think, and she's got just like a bookkeeping job. She has some kind of job. job that's like below her skills but so that she can contribute to the house. and um, You know, actually, it would have been nice to have seen Dan Aykroyd as Roman kind of show up in... You know, one of the scenes with the ad agency or something like that. Oh, having, yeah. You know, having like a crossover. Well, actually, speaking of crossovers, there is a fan theory. At the beginning of Planes, Trains, and Automobiles, Steve Martin and Kevin Bacon are running for a cab. And a lot of people say it's Kevin Bacon from She's Having a, oh, she's having a Baby. Yeah. Because it's set in Chicago. Right. And it's John Hughes. So a lot of people think it's it's that character, it's this guy. Interesting. Yeah. I have to next time I watch Planes, Trains, and Automobiles, I have to because uh, there's no Kevin Bacon doesn't have any lines in that movie. It's just him and Steve Martin looking at each other and looking at the cab. Somebody who's probably a real John Hughes a, a file is that a, <laughs> aficionado? Is that, aficionado. There we go. Probably could work out some sort of a map. Uh, that connects all these movies and the schools and the jobs and the characters and, you know, kind of lays out this landscape. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure there's a giant John Hughes flowchart that could connect all of his movies. Yep, yep. But you, well, you know the thing about the John Hughes about the license plates. Like, have you ever seen the thing that there's like it's like an Easter egg kind of? Um, I saw it was what was written. It was Stubbs. Yeah, well, but in a bunch of the different movies, there's things that the license plates refer to. And like, if you go to IMDb, you can okay. look it up, and it'll it'll tell you what it is. But it's not as prevalent like in this movie. But in a movie like um, Pretty in Pink or something, I'm trying to think where there's more cars. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, yeah, or, or Uncle Buck or something like that. 
you look at the license plates and sometimes they're like a little Easter egg that really means something. You know, there's a code to it or something. We get to the movie where Elizabeth McGovern stops taking her birth control. And they've been having some problems. They're having a little bit of a rocky... I feel like they're having a little bit of a rocky relationship at that point. Right. But she doesn't tell Kevin Bacon for three months. Right. I, okay, I'm not married, I've, but that is, to me, an incredibly shitty thing to do. I don't feel like it was sneaky. It like. was sneaky and shitty not to include your life partner in this giant decision. I'm trying to think, because at this point, Alec Baldwin has come back to visit twice, I think. Right? This is after the second time with the whore. And not my words, their words. Yes. Right. right. Yeah, they reluctantly like let him stay at the house. And, you know, whenever he comes to visit, something inevitably is happening or advancing the plot. You know, um, you, you always feel like he sort of was in love with her. Oh, yeah, then, you definitely get, we'll get to know, that. But, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But, yeah, it's she has this scene and there's this big, you know, the close-up of her dropping the the um there's this extreme close up of the birth control pill being mm. dropped into the sink and going down the drain mm. and uh should she do this should she she has a fantasy like a, a mm. flashback sort of fantasy scene of being a little girl and holding a holding baby holding a baby yeah yeah but to me that's just you don't do that that's just completely wrong to stop taking your birth and then when she tells him 3 months later it's like the old promise you won't get mad and but here we are, like an hour into this movie, and she's still not pregnant. And the movie's called the movie's called "She's Having a Baby." Mm-hmm. Like it's not. This is no, you know, father of the bride. Father of the bride too. <laughs> there is. The, yeah. I was gonna say father of the bride too. There's like they get right to it. They right? get right to the pregnancy. You know? So I, I would have liked to have seen, I guess, more dealing with that. But I guess that's not what the story of this is. But I, you know, I, I guess the title of you know. Young newlyweds or, or you know, I, marriage, I, I, yes. whatever. I, they couldn't come up with a, a better title. I mean, ultimately, the baby is what changes things for Kevin Bacon, but yeesh, I don't know. Is that a bad message of, like, have a baby, it'll change your husband? <laughs> her sneaking around and actually her taking the birth control was pretty much irrelevant because... It's never really discussed, but I guess Kevin Bacon has a low sperm count. He's the problem that they're not getting pregnant. Right. They they are having fertility issues, so they go to a fertility doctor, and she has to, you know, then, of course, it's the old thing of that sex isn't really set, like, for fun. It's, it's we got to do it now. My temperature's perfect. I'm ovulating. This is the perfect this is moment. The, this is the perfect position. You know, I got the pillows. Right. She's like, uh, and we'll... They're not even really having sex. She's basically, excuse me, folks, but yeah. she's basically jerking him off with and getting a, a to get the semen. She's got a turkey baster. Yeah, she's hand. got a turkey baster. And so it becomes very much of like a function. Like now, it's almost like oh, and we've taken sex away from you now, Kevin Bacon. Yes. So you know, for, we've for, taken your we've taken your career, we've taken your freedom, we've taken your sex. It's just not a very happy move. From the from the pictures and the posters and the eighties, maybe you're thinking, "Oh, this is a this is going to be a wacky pregnancy comedy. <laughs> right. She's going to get pregnant, and there and, and he's going to be, you know." Sorry, folks, that's not what this movie. This is, is not what this movie is. Which is a, it, that's not a bad thing, right, right? But this movie doesn't know what it wants to be. It's no curly Sue. Like it this. is no curly Sue. <laughs> With Jim Belushi. <laughs> I mean, that's a lighter movie, and that's dealing with, you know, homeless people and, and yeah. uh, you know, 
Yeah, it's... Um, I do like the sentimentality of, for example, Uncle, Uncle Buck. I think there's some great straight moments in Uncle Buck. That's a that's a watchable movie. I could watch that movie. Over One of over. the most subtle straight moments in Uncle Buck is is when he's going through the wedding pictures and his brother's wife has folded him out of the picture, and just the look on his face that's that's a great scene. But and and that's a character who grows. That's a that's a character who's an immature irresponsible perceived irresponsible male character mm. who grows by having to take care of his niece and you know his uh, nieces and nephew mm-hmm. um i i guess this podcast is turning into a john hughes uh compare and contrast yeah. but uh but it, same thing with the with the great outdoors you know it's it's they these two brothers they uh brother-in-laws brother-in-laws excuse me uh you know they they their relationship grows mm-hmm. and there's some there's some straight moments in it. There's some big, broad, you know, comedy in it. This movie just struggles to me to find: is it a drama? Is it a comedy? Is it a? Is it both? Is well, it... from out of nowhere, what that scene where Kevin Bacon is in a photo shoot with a baby? I'm not really sure why that happened. I mean, obviously, it's related to the ad agency, but it's supposed to be, you know, him, I guess, confronting... Yes, but he's not a model. Why is he getting... And it's something about... I don't know. Now, the thing about that scene is um, uh, Paul Gleason is in that scene, and the photographer is one of the bad guys from Die Hard. So we got two Die Hard characters in this scene taking pictures of a baby in front of diapers. And for some reason, that made me think of Mr. Mom. It made me think of him in the bath, Michael Keaton in the bathroom with the baby, you know, drying her butt on the. Uh, Here's dryer. what this movie does: it makes you think of better movies. It, that's a great statement. That is an absolute great statement. This movie makes you think of better movies and better scenes. If you're a Kevin Bacon fan, watch it. Add it to your arsenal if you've never seen it before. If you're a younger movie viewer and you're catching up on Kevin Bacon or you want to draw on some six degrees of Kevin Bacon knowledge or if you're a John Hughes fan watch it just to add to but it would not be the top of my list to recommend to you of like young couples starting out uh it's not a romantic comedy I couldn't classify it's not a rom-com it's because there's in rom-coms there's usually wooing you know and, and doing something silly to attract her attention or his attention it's like you said we start with we start with the marriage we right. start with that we all that fun stuff leading up to it we we don't see we're just we're never given a chance i feel like to like her to like elizabeth mcgovern's character um i think that alec baldwin's character like i say even though he's not a likable character per se he he is sort of this the alternate life, I guess he's living the alternate life. The cautionary tale, maybe, that Kevin Bacon perhaps could have gone down that it's, path. It's the two sides of one coin. Married right. guy in the suburbs, single guy in New York. Who really, really wishes he had what Kevin Bacon has. Right. Everything's everything's always greener on the other side. Because there's right? one point, and this comes out of nowhere, uh, Alec Baldwin shows up again. Yeah. His father died. Right. And and, and the first <clears throat> time he comes, it's because his girlfriend's mother has died and she could care less. Right. And she's there, to I think, for like probably the reading of the will or something, and that's it. This time he shows up on the door. Alec Baldwin shows up on the doorstep all teary-eyed that his father's died and is staying with them at their house again. Yes. And he's in his room by himself. And Elizabeth McGovern 
gets up and goes into the room, which is totally out of character for her. From what I got from this movie, she really didn't care for him. But for all, from, from all of a sudden, she gets up and goes into the room, and Alec Baldwin hits on her. I just wanted you to kiss me goodnight. So that in some microscopic way, I know that you care about me. I do care. Lifetime, Davis. Why not? You have to ask. You really love him. With everything I am, nothing will change that. Not your hands on my body, or your looks, or your money, or your charm. Nothing, nothing. It doesn't have to be about love. I should at least be curious. Didn't you ever steal a piece of candy when you were a kid? I'm not a kid anymore. You got cold, huh? I didn't get cold. I just found out something you're not even close to yet. Educate me. It won't mean anything. You gotta figure it out yourself. You gotta feel it in your own skin. I won't tell Jake about this. It isn't fatal. Yeah, there's this real, like, push-pull kind of chemistry. I mean, you could really chop this scene out of the movie and use it in, like, an acting class as a, as a you know, a, a great duet acting scene because there is a lot of tension in this. There's, yeah, there's a lot of emotion in this scene. Uh, Alec Baldwin really pushes her to her... To, part of me feels like he's trying to push her to see if he can prove something where like if she would have kissed him or slept with him or something he'd be like see all women are like that or if he's trying to prove she really is this ideal woman on a pedestal that would never do it so you know you're not exactly sure what his agenda is I don't think he actually wants to sleep with her I think because he sort of makes a little joke at the end of like uh, he's trying to get her to kiss him. He's yeah. trying to say, kiss me goodnight. You know, give me a kiss goodnight. And she won't do it. But you think for a second she's about to do yeah, it. Yeah, but then she says, I love I love Kevin Bacon with all my heart. She delivers that with zero sincerity. You don't believe it. And, and she says, I'm not going to tell him. I don't know. It's it's a good scene, but it's also a little bit of a confusing scene. But, mm -hmm. it, but it is, like I say, every time Alec Baldwin's on the screen, it is some of the more compelling. It is some of the more compelling stuff. In the movie. The scene, the second scene where he's in, where it's him and he's trying to actually, I think he's trying to convince Kevin Bacon to leave her, come to New York and, and be like me. Yeah, it's just a confusing all over the place movie where you're not, you, you're not rooting for the people you should be rooting for. I mean, ultimately, she finally gets pregnant, per, per the title of the movie. Yes, about a, about an hour and 15 minutes in. Yeah, or... I feel like there was like 28 minutes left in the movie or something like that when I when I 
she finally realizes that she's pregnant. Um, we go through kind of the montage of, you know, getting the nursery ready. We go through all that. We go through all of it for being pregnant to the point where the movie takes a super serious turn at the end. Yeah. Like a life-threatening, like a little overly dramatic turn. Which, which is preceded by wacky comedy. It's time. Kevin Bacon does the a la Benny Hill where the film is speeded up. So he's running around and he does the cliche where he leaves without his wife. Oh, that's right. I forgot about that. That's right. She finally goes into labor. Yeah. And it is. It's the typical man is running around like a nut while she's nice and calm. Mm -hmm. And yeah, he pulls out of the driveway without her and has to come back and get her. He's at the hospital. She goes into, you know, she goes into the room. The nurse brings him scrubs. He starts taking off his clothes. You're supposed to put that on. So it's really, really wacky. And then we hit where he where he's just about to walk into the room and beep beep yeah, beep. Things beep. Are, yeah, yeah. All the monitors are going off. Something's wrong. The baby's turned around and it's a breech baby. That's yeah, what happens. Um, so they they you know this isn't this isn't nowadays where the dads are in the in the delivery room. Well, that's what I cameras. was. It was when she first went in there. It's like, do I go with them? And he goes, no. no. I'm like, what do you mean no? It's like from <laughs> from everything I've known, the dad is in there from the beginning. <laughs> No, it was still like this is yeah because this wasn't the fifties right. where the the men were out smoking in the lobby right right so yeah so they kick him out of the the delivery room because they've got now they've got to deal with this breech baby so now he's in the waiting room with both sets of parents that there. finally show up I was beginning to think that they weren't going to be there at all and I'm like that is that's just wrong that the families would be there and they actually did finally they uh, did finally show up. And I don't know if this is like spoiler alert, but I feel like they start to take you down this path where you think she's not going to make. I you I couldn't honestly could not remember the way this movie ended, and they start to take you down a path where you think she's not going to make it. The baby will live, but she's not going to make it, or vice versa. One of you 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 start to think one of them's not going to make mm -hmm. it. They, they're showing blood dripping right. on the floor. And gets yes, like, Kevin Bacon's tear hits the floor as the same time as her blood is hitting the floor. And so you think, oh, God, one of them's not going to make it. And, you know, and you still don't even know until, like, the very, very, you know, moment that he walks into the room. Um, I mean, even when he walks into the room, the baby's not in there. The baby's not in there. So you think, oh, God, you know, they lost the baby. And uh, it, it all ends. It happily. all ends. It, it all ends. Uh, but to go back to the parents not growing, so both sets of parents are in... The, the hospital, and we don't see a single scene of them comforting Kevin Bacon. Yeah, in fact, in fact, they show an aerial shot of them all very separate. So yes, very separately. There's it's it's a very kind of stylized shot of Kevin Bacon in one corner with a spotlight on him, and the parents in two other corners. I think this would have been a great moment because uh, Elizabeth McGovern's father. I agree with you. I agree with you. It just rides him the entire yeah, the, the he, entire fucking movie. He, he rides him the movie. Care, yeah, he needs to take care of his family. He needs to take care of his wife. Da, 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 da. This would have been a great moment to see them hug or or something you know, that they've the, all the all the petty crap is gone. This is family. This is what we're here for. Or share some tale from when he was a young husband. Because it's brought up uh, Elizabeth McGovern's mother said, "I had trouble with her birth." 
Um, and who knows? You know, you never know what scenes end up on the cutting room floor. There yeah. may have been something like that, uh, where the father-in-law, you know, says, hey, I remember, blah, 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 I was scared. <laughs> For the longest time, that the guy who played Kevin Bacon's father-in-law, I thought it was the guy from uh, in the original Invasion of the Body Snatchers in UHF. It, I've got the old, the old one. Not yeah. the Leonard Nimoy one, but the old one. The old one, yeah. And I was like, oh, it's that guy. And once again, the guy I know from everything that's been in everything. Yeah, it's, you know, there. oh, Catherine Damon, she's one of the, from Soap, she's one of the... That's who that was. Okay, I could not, I knew who... Holland Taylor. Holland Taylor. Classic character Classic. And uh, Catherine Damon from Soap, one of the sisters, one of the sisters sisters. sisters from Soap is... uh, I could not place where she was, but that was her. Yeah, and Dennis Dugan, uh, the other thing I remember, Dennis Dugan didn't, it wasn't back in the 70s with the Rockford Files, wasn't Dennis Dugan, he was sort of the young protege of Jim Rockford. He was, he was. He had sort of a spin-off series. They tried a spin-off series, and it didn't work, but yes, that's where he, he was an actor before he turned director. Yes. He's... He's notoriously known as a very successful but not respected director because he directed Jack and Jill and and just all of Adam Sandler's crap movies that made a bunch of money. I was I had to laugh because you had mentioned that the photographer in the baby scene was one of the guys from Die Hard, and I was like, oh yeah. And I looked. He's also from Big Trouble in Little China. He's, yes, you know he he that guy did a lot of work in the eighties. He Al, did do Alan, a lot. Al Leong, Al Leong, and he did a lot of work in the eighties. And here he's a photographer. Yes, it totally out of character from what we've seen before. Oh, and speaking of Asian actors in this movie, because he's Asian, speaking of Asian actors, the nurse that is bringing him into the the mm-hmm. delivery room uh-huh. and then tosses him out, that's Nurse Kelly from That MASH. is Nurse Kelly from MASH. I yep. knew, yes, I did know that. Yes, yes. Yep. And even Patrick Swayze's, uh, I guess widow, you'd say, but Patrick Swayze's wife, Lisa Niemi, is uh, has a, is in there as a model. Like when the, the models are all in one of the dressing rooms or something. Yeah, there's a scene where Kevin Bacon, like we said, Kevin Bacon is posing with this baby, and he can't find the mother. Is where like where's the mother? She's she's around here somewhere. First, what mother leaves her baby with strangers? So he's running around this modeling agency, and all these models are looking at him with this baby, and they're just not paying any attention. And I don't know if that scene was, because usually when a woman, oh, look at the baby, and all these models could not have cared less <laughs> that he had a baby. It was like, I'm, but, uh, I'm not going to wreck my body by having a baby. This is my career. Yeah, I, I'm. Yeah, that was that was sort of interesting. That was that was another one of those like, is this really happening? Is this a is this fantasy a, another scene? fantasy where he's running around with a baby? Like, yeah, is it? A, yeah, I can't get rid of this baby. Or legitimately, it's like this baby. I, I I'm stuck with this baby. I can't get rid of this baby. This this is a fun movie to look at the credits on IMDb because you'll also see some other actors that pop up in the credits in very minor roles, like Lily Taylor. She she's a just a small little minor part. Um, and uh, is it Gail o- is it Gail O'Grady? I think from NYPD Blue. She's in here in a very small role um so it is sort of fun to look at the credits plus all the people that we talked about in the beginning that show up in the closing credits right uh i think really credited in the movie i think john hughes he's sort of like i'd like to compare him to roger corman uh roger corman the low b 
from what I've gathered, Roger Corman was just a very charming man, and mm-hmm. he just he would charm people to be in his low budget movies. Right. I think that might be not that this is low budget, but I think John Hughes is. Hey, can you can you come do a, a day shoot for me? And people, are like, yeah, I'll do a day shoot for you. Um. Yep. I mean, ultimately, it's a it's a somewhat serious, but with brief moments of comedy tale of a young, you know, marriage and ultimately things all work out in the end once they, once she has the baby, I guess, hence the title. Um, This is a, this was made in 88 and this is a totally 80s movie. It's a very 80s movie. This movie looks 80s. 80s soundtrack. um, 80s look. Kevin Bacon is wearing a suit with White socks and loafers. It just, to me, it pulls all these other parts and elements from other, better John Hughes movies into this movie. Mm-hmm. Well, John Hughes wrote and directed this movie. Right. Yeah. Right. So this was all this was all him. You know, it's, it's such a shame, too, that John Hughes died when he did, because I feel like there were still more movies, more things we could have seen from we him. We could have gotten the next level, middle age. Well, I, but I mean... Because but, all of his actors he worked with as kids are now all in middle age. We could... Right. Right. There's a lot of good stuff you can read, too, about sort of Molly Ringwald and John Hughes, about their kind of rocky relationship. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I mentioned Mr. Mom earlier, saying that the that the scene with the baby were, made me think of Mr. Mom, mm-hmm. and John Hughes wrote right. Mr. Mom, which is, a to me, a... a much like more enjoyable movie about a, a dad and dealing with the kids and you know, oh and Michael Keaton's in the credits Michael Keaton Michael is. Keaton's in the credits yeah. yeah he shows up in the credits too so yeah absolutely so you know like I said if you want to add to just your knowledge of John Hughes or your 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 uh, library of Kevin Bacon movies it's or watchable. if you want to see if you want to see a young Alec Baldwin yes. acting. He looks totally different than he does now. Alec Baldwin was a well, pretty he, boy actor. Yeah, it's it's Alec Baldwin in the heyday of like uh, Beetlejuice and uh, what's the one? I never could think of the one with Nicole Kidman and Bill Pullman where he's the doctor. I know what you're talking about and I can't think of and it he's either. He's got the doctor with the god complex. Yes, and, I know, know exactly what you're talking about and I can't yep, think of that movie yep, either. Yep, yep, po- post, post it on a social media yes, post after find out. podcast. Yes, find out. So yeah, I mean it's it's if if it wasn't Kevin Bacon and Elizabeth McGovern, I wonder if there were other people because we just talked about this arsenal of sort of John Hughes affiliated mm-hmm. actors. I mean, what if what if this movie would have been like Judd Nelson and Ali Sheedy, Ali Sheedy, yeah. or something. who worked together? Before. Well, I and I'm going to say there wasn't a lot of chemistry between Kevin Bacon and mm-hmm. Elizabeth McGovern. I didn't feel the chemistry between them. I mean, I very easily could have seen this being Judd Nelson. I could see this being to some extent. Well, Robert Williams, Downey like, Jr. and Robert Downey Robert Jr. and uh, Molly Ringwald. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And Emilio Estevez, to some extent, yes. could see doing this. The um, uh, maybe Demi Moore, you know, that, maybe you know that sort of a thing. But you're right. I mean, the saving grace in a lot of in this movie is the fact that there's a good cast of character and supporting actors. The supporting the actors, and not it's not that the two leads do a bad job. I just think they're the material they're given. They're not given much to work with. Is a little lackluster. They're not giving them much to work, and they they don't really have personalities. 
they're yeah. they're both kind of bland. Yeah. And maybe that's why the background characters pop a lot more because, and maybe that's the way John Hughes wanted to play it. He wanted our two main characters to be kind of bland, and everybody and everything around them is wacky. And I, you know, I wouldn't have minded seeing a few more of the scenes with the neighbors either because they they have this scene where they have a big block party, mm-hmm. uh, but you don't really don't see like the two kind of nosy neighbor, like Edie McClurg's one of the neighbors. You don't really see those two again. You no. don't see. You know, and, and I think that would have been fun to maybe even show like a smaller scene with them or maybe show the uh, uh, the neighbor ladies uh, with Elizabeth McGovern. You well, know. you notice the, the, the movie is called She's Having a Baby, but you don't see, you don't see any children. You hardly see any children in this movie. We see a couple at the block party and then there's a flashback of her as a child, but there's not... It, and there's that one scene with the baby, but there's not a lot of kids. Like, I, you would figure on the weekends when he's out mowing his lawn, you'd see kids out playing or something. Like, I mean, she looks out the window, she sees the kids playing. Because when she finally decides to stop taking her birth control pill, the only the only thing up until then is is their parents asking for grandchildren. Why do you have to complain about everything? I'm not complaining. You certainly are. That's not complaining. You want any complaining? Missy, when are you going to get your butt in gear and get me a grandchild? I think it's about time too, Russ. At last, we agree on something. Everything in due time. For cripes sake, they just moved into a home. Don't put pressure on top of pressure. What's the rush? I'm with you, Jim. I had a terrible time with Christie's birth. I almost lost her in delivery. If she wants to wait, it's all right with me. I just think it's odd that they've been married now, what is it, four years, and they don't even talk about kids. It was a breach. The women in my family have such small hips. It was painful, and it was terrifying. You are all right now. So why dwell on it in the sweet name of Christ? You didn't even know until it was all over. How could I know? I was out playing golf. Darling, you would have the most divine babies. Weren't you thinking about it? Mom, that's that's kind of a a personal matter. Well, it's a family matter. We're just curious. Well, what's the deal? They'll have kids when they have kids. Maybe they're not ready. What are they going to do, be swingers the whole rest of their lives? Is that it? Look, did you have your parents goading you into having kids? There was no time to goad me. No, no, I had my kids right away. Down at my company, everybody my age or around my age has a picture on their desk of a grandchild. I have a picture on my desk of her. What I want to have on my desk (laughs) is a picture of a grandchild. Right. You never really get the feeling that either of them want kids up until that point. It's not hinted at at all. It's not the... We, uh, they never had a conversation about it until after... Yeah, that's the other thing, too. It's not like where it's this like great dream that she had where she's always wanted to be... Like, you kind of feel like, in a way, she's a little perturbed that she didn't go out and get a career or something like yeah. that at one point. But you feel like she's generally perturbed through the whole movie, so it's hard to tell. Yes, she has a dour look on her face through the whole movie, so you you can't really tell what 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 emotions she's well, feeling. Well, I alluded to this earlier. That was sort of, in a way, her shtick because she's so pretty. She's uh, she's very very pretty, 
And um, in a lot of her movies, she's not like the most exciting actress in the world. Mm-hmm. She she is very just sort of this Andy McDowell, very level, <laughs> you know. Uh, she's in Downton Abbey. Downton yeah. Abbey was that? What it, yeah, I don't watch Downton Abbey, but I think that's like her most recent credit. She didn't go on to uh, movie stardom after this. I think she just had recurring television roles. Uh, I think this might have been her biggest movie. Not, well, her biggest you know, starring movie. Yeah, I was trying to remember other things that she pops out in. She definitely doesn't have, like... I mean, I think she's got some probably, like, smaller, more well-respected... I think she's in Ragtime, which the big thing with Ragtime was... It was Jimmy Cagney's Jimmy last movie. Right, right, right. Exactly. Yeah, she has a lot of uh, bit roles, but I think this is her biggest starring role. Right, right. So it's definitely one of those movies where you want to stay and watch the uh, you want to stay and watch the end credits. This is much like a lot of John Hughes movies. You want to watch the credits, you know. It's definitely worth worth it for that. And the music is done by Stuart Copeland of the Police. Yes, yes. Oh, that's good to bring up too. Yeah, because that's when he was really transitioning. That was when he was trying sound jack. Yeah, and yeah, because Stuart Copeland became. He did a lot of uh, movie soundtracks after that. Yes, yes. That was becoming his thing. I guess so. All in all, it's basically what IMDb. It's it's an okay movie. It it it's more somber than it is funny. It's more depressing than it is uplifting. Yeah, it's pre Home Alone. It's pre Vacation. It's um, you know it's pre Curly Sue, which I had <laughs> mentioned before. Um, you know, so it's it's kind of just right in the middle, and maybe that's it. Maybe this is a little of his like transitioning out of the Brat Pack movies into more adult movies, and you know, maybe that's what some of the struggle with that is. Yeah, maybe this was a transition movie. But if you are a Kevin Bacon fan, check it out. If you're an Alec Baldwin fan, check it out. But if you have no connection to John Hughes or Kevin Bacon. I would say maybe just find the credits on YouTube and watch those. <laughs> and uh, that would be about it. I can't I can't wholeheartedly recommend this movie because it, it was an okay movie, but I was not enthralled. I'm, chances are I probably won't watch this movie again. No, like it had definitely been a long time since I'd seen it. It's not one of those ones that I would just stop and watch automatically if it yes. was on or, you know, like Overboard. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Uh, so that's it. So we are going, uh, we sort of give this a, a thumb sideways. It's a, Yes, I would agree that that's a good statement. It's a thumb sideways. Uh, we've, we've told you all we can, so now you have to make the decision whether you want to see uh, this movie or not. If you're a fan of the, the Dan Aykroyd podcast, you can actually support this podcast, right? You can, right. For as little as $5 a month, you yes. can support this podcast. You can support this the details will be, uh, I'm going to, it'll be on the bumper at the end of this show. But yes, you can support it here on Anchor, or you can also go to my Patreon page and support it. For up, you can just do it for 99 cents a month. Every little bit helps. And I want to thank uh, Steph for once again being my very special guest on the stretching. The Dan Aykroyd Podcast. We did actually mention uh, quite a few Dan Aykroyd projects in this movie, uh, in this podcast. So, uh, once again, thanks to Steph, and thank you guys for listening, and we'll see you here next time. To support this podcast, please go to www.patreon.com slash scottwhite and give what you're able. If you're listening on iTunes, please give a review. That should help people find this podcast. 
And no matter what services you use to listen, please leave feedback. We always want to improve. Thank you for listening to the Dan Aykroyd Podcast. What a nice, simple name. Larry. Bob. If it's a boy, name it after me, Russell. Jefferson Jr. George. Arnold. Caleb. Ian. Mark. Marmaduke. Otto. I don't think there are enough Ottos around. Douglas. Reginald. Igor. Hyman. Schwab. That's good. Schwab. I, I don't know what it is I heard on a bus. David. Alfred. Herworth. Melonhead. Or Lizard. Huey. Basil. Roland. Hmm, names for a boy. Well, my wife's always been partial to Borbor. Jason. Jerome. Vladimir. Maximilian, thanks a million. Nicholas. Edward. Johan. Michael. Cryoborg. Gagdur. Klaus. Baldur. Slagathor. Oh, Slaggy for short. Rudolph. Peter. Ashley. And I've liked, uh, for years, uh, Queek, Bly, Nargalsius, Rolo, and Vortigern. Jean-Marc. Mohammed. Melvin. Dwayne. Klaus. Toby. I'm a sissy. But okay to be a priest. Blind boy grunt. Jasper. Opie. Walter. And if you want to torment him, you can call him Cecil. Charlie. Karen. Charlie. The first. George. Harry. Yeah. Reuben. Or you could go, uh, silly and call him, uh, Skippy. Wheeler. Jim. Windrop. And then one of my favorite, Barney's a good name. Grover. Alvin. Elliot. Linus. Roscoe. Kerwin. Kiyoshi Yamamoto. Patrick. How about Little Suck? Dashel. Fred. Orby Lee. Jasper. Jazz. Jazz. Guido. Horatio. Baby Magic. Who wouldn't love that? Everybody. I would. What about you? Spike.